Let's foray into Nevada's wild spaces. This is a half an hour adventure with the Nevada Department of Wildlife. This is Nevada Wild. Here on this Welcome to Nevada Wild, brought to you by the Nevada Department of Wildlife. I'm Ashley Sanchez, and we have a full Zoom meeting today. I see all sorts of faces all over the state. We have co-host Aaron Keller, uh, Western Region Angler Education Coordinator Jan Nemec. We have Abby down in our Southern Region, Abby Zarnecki, um, Julie Gabrielson, and Joe Doucette from Eastern Region. And we're going to be talking about fishing today. So it's important to note that fishing is not closed right now, but we are urging people to stay local. But there's a ton of things you could do at home while you're hunkering down. So thank you everyone for being here. Welcome to our little Zoom meeting. And Thanks let's get into it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having us. Of course. So um, as I said, what are some of the ideas that you guys, who wants to start? It's so weird because we have a whole crew here and we're looking at everyone. So well, do you, you want to take it away? Yeah. I'll, well, I can just, oh, we, were, we were brainstorming some ideas and um, we have an internal kind of message board that we use. And one of the most common questions that we get right now is, is this park or is this water or is this place open or, you know, it's, kind of crazy times right now where people you know don't know if they're allowed to go places and uh, we just wanted to kind of clear up clear the air a little bit and kind of go over a few places that we know are open and then also give some tips on on things that people could be doing to get ready um, for when it all it does open you know yeah. so so, and I know most state parks, well, maybe not in Vegas, are open for day use only. You just have to do your homework before heading out. That's probably the most important thing. Yeah, state parks has a website you can go to, and they have information on each of the individual state parks. And I haven't been up there lately, but I know when they first started closing, um, you know, out in the eastern region, South Fork and Wild Horse are two of the closest ones that people really like to go to. And so I would go up there and I could see, okay, at first this was closed and then they then they said, no, you can do this. So so go to the state parks, go to Nevada, look up um, Google Nevada State Parks and you can go to their websites. And uh, those that are definitely closed, especially some of those in Southern Nevada or in the more concentrated areas, um, it, they'll tell you that there. So you can get a better idea that way as well. Exactly. Good info. And then a lot of the local, I know here in, um, and I'm in the Reno area and here a lot of our, like the river and local waters are open. Jan, do you want to speak to that a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely. Um, certainly the, the urban fisheries are, are some of the easiest ones um, to, to get to um, nice and close. We have quite a few locally that are fishing, fishing very well on the uh, Sparks Marina um, as well as Maryland's Pond. Um, and some of the smaller fisheries, um, certainly. Um, staying urban, staying close is the, the key. Exactly, and when you're out there, be sure to social distance yourself from others and follow all those CDC guidelines and everything we've been seeing out there. Abby, how is it down in Southern region? Um, we are definitely getting, some of the waters are pretty full, um, so definitely, Social distancing, which to me has always been good angler ethics. 
So keeping your distance from your fishing buddy, even your immediate household is just good so you don't get tangled if you do get that off the couch. Um, so also a lot of the places have one way in, one way out. You'll notice right away when you pull up and if it's getting busy, maybe that's not the day to go. Maybe another time might be better. Um, so definitely, like you were saying, do your research, check it all out before you head out there. If it's getting busy, find somewhere to turn around. Um, check out another waterway. Uh, there's a lot of social media um, groups that you can send a quick, um, some of the good fishing areas like uh, Eagle Valley State Parks, three, four hours away. Send a message to your fishing buddies on that group chat and see if, if anyone's been up there that week and see how busy it is and see if it's worth heading all the way up there um, for a couple catches or maybe next week might be a little better. Very good information. And, and, and then on that note though, realize that not only just the state parks, but the Forest Service and uh, I believe the BLM, their campgrounds are closed. And so if you're going three or four hours, it makes for a long day trip. Um, so, so, so take that into consideration that, that almost all of them, their facilities are closed. And that's a big part of why we've been saying it right now, it may be best just to stay local. Right. But there's other things you can do with at home. That, that exactly, which is part of why we're here. Right. <laughs> you know, one, one, one of the things I used to do um, with my kids is we'd have a casting contest out in the backyard. We'd put hula hoops or we'd put uh, paper plates out or whatever. And then we'd put uh, casting dummies on the kids' spinning rods. And, and that way they're tangling up their lines when you're not fishing and learning what they're doing wrong and learning how to uh, uh, untangle them themselves. I remember uh, when my son was about nine years old, um, my buddy and I, he wanted to go fish. I said, well, let's take the boys. He said, oh, I spend the whole time doing stuff for my kids. I says, I don't. And he'd always done stuff for his kids and not let them figure it out on their own. I said, oh, we'll just put them with my son, Joseph. And um, yeah, they'll screw around a lot, but they'll have fun too. And, and so that's the thing, if you get them doing this stuff. So if they tangle up their line, don't untangle it for them in the backyard. Work with them so they learn how to untangle and how to use their reel and set things up and that kind of stuff. So just getting the kids out in the backyard casting, um, that can eat up a whole afternoon, trust me. I'm actually working with a five-year-old right now, so I take that advice, Joe. <laughs> And Monday, actually, we're going to move it to 5 p.m. is front yard fishing options. Um, my front yard's a little easier to cast in than my backyard right now. So, uh, and that way we don't have any copyright of the actual game. But we have an example of the game Backyard Bass and how you can make your own front yard fishing out of some bobbers and a delivery box. Very cool. And that's, you could get to that registration on our Facebook, right, Abby? Exactly. All of the events are listed, which are obviously all online events for us right now. And, um, and then we send you the confirmation once you register for the class. And so you can check out all any of our Nevada Department of Wildlife webinars that are coming up. And when we started doing these podcasts from home in this Zoom format, at first we had a lot of our wildlife educators on because we were promoting their webinars. So it's cool to get you guys in because we have a lot of fishing webinars up right now for people to check out. So definitely head to our Facebook, check them out. And um, we're trying to post them to YouTube as soon as we can after. So if you miss them while they're live on Zoom, which you could 
find that registration through our Facebook, head to our YouTube, and you could watch them after. So it's a really good time to be educating your kid. Like Joe, you were saying right now, um, let the kids figure out how to untangle their lines by themselves. Like you could be doing so much right now to educate them before heading back out to the water right now. So it's a good time to be taking advantage oh, of that. Absolutely. And, and people don't realize how, how quickly children will learn. It's us old farts that they don't <laughs> learn very well <laughs> or very quickly. Um, kids actually do much better at knots than adults do because their fingers are so nimble. The problem with kids is you have to slow them down and focus them. Um, they want yeah. to go a mile a minute, but if you can take and 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 let them just learn, teach them how to tie their own hook or their own or own lure on with an improved clinch knot, very easy knot, um, and and that will get them through ninety percent of their fishing situations um, while they're at that young age. Um, and then the same thing with me, uh, old old farts like me. Uh, I, I fly fish, but I only use about four or five knots. You know, you know, people think, oh gosh, fly fishing, you got to learn all this stuff. Uh, three, four or five knots. Um, and the time to learn them is while you're sitting in the easy chair, um, uh, watching maybe the, some YouTube that shows you how to tie it and, and start maybe with some string or some paracord where it's big and easy, but you, you do need to do it with the mono or the, the, the fluorocarbon because it does tie so, so much differently than the other stuff, but knots are huge. And especially at low light, if you know how to tie that knot re real quickly in low light conditions, you know, first thing in the morning, late in the evening, um, it makes it so much easier if your, your hands are used to that routine and you can just tie it very quickly. And it, it can make a frustrating moment when the fish are out there, everybody's catching and you're not because you have the wrong thing on. If it takes you a while to put it on, it's, it's a lot, it's very frustrating. So, so sit in your easy chair and, and chat with your, your, your spouse or your kids and maybe everybody practice knots that wants to fish. And it keeps the kids occupied because a lot of you could probably speak to this. I know you're home with your families and I keep hearing about parents going, they're like, the kids are going to stir crazy right now. So what a perfect thing to do that would keep them very concentrated occupied yeah I tricked my boys and told them that they need to go out and make leprechaun traps out in the backyard even though it's not even close to St. Patrick's Day we were making hey. leprechaun tracks and they uh so they had to learn how to tie tie a couple knots so they can tie up the paracord and so we got the the baseball net leaning up and the, we got a box with a stick and we got all this stuff so they had to kind of start learning some knots they're they're pretty young still so they, we've been also doing a bunch of landscaping, not a bunch, but a little bit of landscaping in the backyard. And when we're, when I'm digging the holes, they're actually getting in the dirt and they're catching worms. So then we've been saving these worms for when we get to go fishing because camping's coming up before too long. And That's a good idea. Yeah. Start collecting the worms. Yep. And when you're done with that fishing trip, put the worms back in the garden. They're great for the garden. Multi-purpose. We, we exactly. actually put our worms in the compost pile. They love the compost pile, so they stay there. It's loose. It's easy to dig them out. You don't have to go dig in the garden, and they they work your compost even faster. So so that's what we've always done is thrown our worms in the compost pile. Might even get some catfish bait out of the compost. Pile. <laughs> just keep there. It's a cycle. You could just yes. keep using. <laughs> it's uh, pretty much any excuse to like go fishing or think about fishing or yeah. plan on going fishing. So yeah. definitely. Julie, you're quiet over in, you're to my, um, 
here in my left lower corner over there. <laughs> I'm just enjoying everybody else's, you know, hints and tricks and all of that. <laughs> yeah, your, your grandson Waylon's going to be ready in a couple years for this kind of stuff. Yeah, he's still a little too young for, for the, the fishing rod at this point. Um, he just would want to, you know, chase everybody with it more than anything, I think. But uh, but he's coming and it's, it's great. All these, you know, tricks that I'm hearing are, are going to be fun with him. So I don't have any kids at home right now to do it with, and the dogs just don't cooperate. <laughs> yeah, that might be difficult to try to do that with the dog. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you've had a few webinars though, haven't you? So I've done one on trout dissection. Oh, cool. And yeah, so we, we typically do that in the classrooms as part of an, an extension program from the Trout in the Classroom program. And it's really a great hands-on um, fun day for the kids to do that and the students to do that. Um, some of them, they don't take to it real quickly. They're a little grossed out by the slime and the, you know, when you're starting to, to open up the trout. But in general, they, most of them end up getting hands-on by the time we're done at the end of the day. Um, it, it's such a cool thing for them to see and learn not only about the external features of the, the trout, but also the internal organs and what the different functions are of the organs. Um, there's, you know, we go fishing and we don't always pay attention to what we're actually cleaning out of the, the, the trout or the bass or whatever it is that we've caught um, and the process of cleaning them and getting ready to eat them. So this is kind of a cool way for them to see what, what the fish does and how it operates and how it functions. It is very cool. Well, we're already, I want to talk to you more about this after the break, but we're already through the first half. This went extremely fast, but we'll be right back after this quick break. You're listening to Nevada Wild. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, leave us a review on iTunes and SoundCloud. For more information on hunting, fishing, boating, and all things wildlife, go to endow.org. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Nevada Wild. Today we are joined by angler education coordinators from across the state and Joe Doucette. He's just our fishing guru of the eastern region. <laughs> He's shaking his head. Uh, but right before the break, Julie was talking about this awesome trout dissection webinar she had um, through Zoom, which we posted all the events on our Facebook. So Julie, um, you were saying how important it is. It's a chance for people to know what's actually in the fish that we're catching or know more about the fish that we're catching. Well, and, and why wouldn't we want to know about them? Exactly. You know, um, you know, it, again, this started as an extension program on the trout in the classroom. And, you know, these, these students, they raised the, the eggs, the eyed trout eggs, up to, you know, fry stage, fingerling stage. And then we take them out and we help them release them in, a, in improved public water. Um, so why, why wouldn't we want them to know a little bit more about how they're going to grow and, and, um, and maybe grow in size and become spawning adults? And so that's what this, this has turned into. Uh, creating it into a webinar has just opened it up to um, all age groups, which has been great. Very cool. I think as, a, as an angler, being able to make that conversion too and learning about lateral line and what, mm -hmm. what 
does and why it does it and what a fish sees and that certainly increases your catch rate. <laughs> well, and I have to say, you know, I grew up fishing. Um, I, I was never a hunter as a child, but I grew up in the outdoors and fishing quite a bit with my family. And I never had any clue of some of the internal parts of and organs of the, of the trout. Um, so when, when I started learning about this, um, one of the key things that totally took me by surprise was the kidney. Now the kidney lays right up against the backbone in between the backbone and, or the spine and the, the air bladder. I was always told as a child that that was actually part of the intestine and the evacuation system. So it directly, you know, connected to the vent was my, was my thought. Well, apparently that's not it at all, right? <laughs> that's not what the kidney is. Uh, or it, it, it's an entirely different organ and the intestine is what's actually attached to the vent. So that was super cool for me to learn as an adult. So I can only imagine how many other adults out there are not aware of the different parts that they're pulling out. The air bladder is such an incredible feature on these trout. And um, I love showing the, the students um, and being able to pull it out completely during the dissection with it still intact and full of air so that they can see how that functions to help them with the flotation in the water. Very cool. I also like it's showing how um, just the wide variety of these webinars you guys have been putting on where I feel like there's so many different topics we're covering just under angler education. So it's been pretty cool. And that yeah. being, oh, what were you saying? I was going to add on and keep adding. <laughs> um, so I did one on respooling the fishing line because I know it had been a while since I had worked on my son's fishing line and one of his spinning reels had become a little knot and I hadn't gotten back to it. So I was like, well, what better time than now before the heat hits and everything like that while we're staying at home, then go ahead and do it with a bunch of people online and win-win uh, for me. Now I don't have to do this later on and we're ready to go as soon as the parks or um, fishing is up and running well. So uh, I definitely did both of his during a practice session and then did my Lake Mead lines right after that and especially down here like this is the perfect time to do the line because every year especially if you use monofilament line you want to switch that out um, people don't necessarily store them in the house they might store them in their garage and it gets so hot out it just breaks the line and so I get the questions the knot tying classes well what nights knots can I learn to um so my hook doesn't keep coming off or my line's not breaking and I'm thinking when was the last time you actually switched out your fishing line so we kind of back it up to that fix that fishing line before we even go out Now's the time to be doing it. Erin, um, during the break, you were saying people should be getting all their fishing gear ready now, like Abby was saying, before everything opens up and people are ready to go outside. Yeah, you definitely don't want the first time to touch your fishing gear as you're leaving the house to head out because uh, I took the boys to one of our urban ponds the other day and I brought two little um, Spider-Man poles and one adult pole and I brought the wrong tip. So I brought the, the tip for a different pole, different rod. So we just ended up using a Snoopy pole and a 
Spider-Man pole that day. But yeah, you definitely don't want the first time to be uh, as you're heading out the door. And go through those tackle boxes and fishing vests because I can't tell you how much crap gets stuck in mine. And I clean it out. In fact, there's been a couple times I've left a tackle box in the truck and the, the, the soft plastic baits are all stuck together and stuff. So, so uh, you know, go through and, and clean all that out and, and, and sharpen hooks. Um, you can touch up lures with some Sharpies and markers. Um, I, everybody talks about, oh, they keep getting away. And I ask them, well, when's the last time you sharpened your hook? And it doesn't matter whether it's a spin fisherman, a bait fisherman, or a, a, a fly fisherman. Dull hooks are one of the main reasons people aren't able to hook fish. Good to know. And Jan, yeah. you can teach us to, to, to I was just going to gonna go to Jan. I was going to say poor Jan's over there yes, waiting to talk absolutely. about fly tying. <laughs> yes, I, well, we all play on our strengths, right? So, um, yeah, we've got some good stuff coming up in the fly tying world. Um, and that's not just fishermen. We certainly want to encourage everybody to give it a shot, um, down to even the little ones. Um, we've got a six-part series coming up. Um, so six videos, hoping to release over a six-week period. We'll give you plenty of time to find the materials online if you definitely don't want you out hunting them down right now. So we'll give you some online options to buy some materials um, and hope that uh, we can have you tying along with the courses. Um, but uh, our courses will include just kind of some basics. Um, we'll tie a woolly bugger, um, kind of maybe build on some of those basics, and then we'll tie uh, three flies finally. We'll tie a hare's ear, a pheasant tail, and then a basic ant dry fly. So really the idea is to give you a good foundation. Um, and I think between all of us here, we have no problem building on that. Um, adding flies, it sounds like there might be a, a weekly fly, fly instead of a monthly fly coming up here soon. So um, lots in the fly tying world coming up, that's for sure. So is that a course people could register? Is it where the other webinars are or where so, can people access that? So we, I couldn't quite get the clarity that I needed. So I think the plan is to release them on YouTube and then okay. ahead of those release um, some material lists and, and the basics needed. Either way, keep an eye on our Facebook, YouTube, all of our social media, because we'll get that out there once right. it's ready. <laughs> And then um, something else I just remembered when you, we were talking about that um, on our YouTube already is your fly of the month from just previous videos in um, your fly tying classes we had before we were even in this situation. So go check out those because those are video good videos that you put together um, showing people how to fly tie. Build up those boxes while you got time. Yeah, exactly. And again, for those that, that the complete uh, novice or those that, that haven't uh, taken up fly fishing, um, it's flies work pretty good on spinning rods. Aaron, you could probably talk to that. Yeah, my kids think that they can fly fish even with their Snoopy poles. So they just, <laughs> you know, they whip it around and get it out there. And, and you'd be, I mean, people listening would be surprised at what you could catch in a stream um, with a fly on the end of a spinning rod. Um, it's how I kind of got started with fly fishing was just putting flies on spinning rods and walking up the creeks. And, and right now creeks and streams are a great spot to not see any people. Um, so you can start hiking up, make, use your stealth mode and get down and catch some nice fish. 
and the, the way fish. the way I got started fly tying was my friends fly fished. Um, I knit, I crochet, I, I needlepoint, that kind of stuff. So they figured I could tie their flies for them. So I, I made them a deal. You uh, uh, you buy the stuff and I'll tie them. And after about two years of tying them, I figured I better try this. <laughs> so I actually learned to tie flies before I learned to fly fish. Good stuff. Yeah, and those uh, so those material lists that you're going to be sent out, Jan, could they – they could potentially just get those to a local fly shop if they're listening and um, figure a way and maybe do like a, they can figure and, out how to and, pay for them. And, and, and I know that, that some of the local fly shops are doing uh, curbside delivery now that, you know, and some of them are doing uh, actually home delivery. Um, so, so just, you know, there's, there's ways to do this. And yeah, you can order them on, online too. Mm -hmm. If you've got a, uh, certain accounts with certain uh, these big online companies, even overnight and two-day shipping is free. So it doesn't take that long to get it in. And if you know hunters, um, there's a lot of fly tying material to be had around hunters, whether they're bird hunters or, or game, big game hunters. Um, you know, you've got deer hair and, and uh, pheasant tail feathers and, and all sorts of stuff like that that you can use. Yeah, so if you're listening, you can support local and kind of get in touch with your local shop. And uh, yeah, I think that's one of the cool things about that. I was trying to show one of my at-home kits because I wasn't able to get all the equipment for the last fly tying I did. So I ordered a kit and sometimes it'll come with like all your basics, especially for a woolly bugger and stuff like that. Um, so look for those too, depending on, and then add on to that. A lot of good information. Thank you all for being here. We're already running out of time. I feel like when we get our educators into our podcast, they go so fast. <laughs> so thank you guys. That was a lot of good information. Check out our social media, Facebook, YouTube, and you can see everything these guys are doing to keep you busy at home. So that does it for this week's Nevada Wild. Thank you for listening. again next week for our next adventure, Nevada Wild. It's a production of the Nevada Department of Wildlife.